0: Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos anesti. Christ is risen. Christos Afton. Good. Very good. That one was a little mumbled, but I got a few more responses than expected. <laughs> That's the actual Coptic language for Christ is risen. So we should know that one at least. Alright, I want to start with a quote from Saint Cyril. To brace yourself, because it's a rough quote. <laughs> smallness of faith is the worst sickness and surpasses all evil. If God works or promises to do anything, then let it be believed in simple faith. Again, smallness of faith is the worst sickness and surpasses all evil. I know that sounds pretty rough, right? Because we typically think of our doubts, and the areas where we're lacking faith as natural, right? It's normal, we all have doubts, we all lack faith. Right? And I think because we've cultivated a culture of normalizing the doubts in our life that we forget to consider the, the reality of those doubts and, and that those doubts are real weaknesses. You know, doubts have no place in the heart of a faithful Christian, right? Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's impossible to live as a Christian if you have places of doubts and you're struggling with your faith. We're all struggling, right? And we all have room to grow. I'll be the first to admit that I have my doubts, I have my limitations and my weaknesses, but I have to look at those weaknesses as contrary to the Christian path, right? I have to consider those doubts almost like a cancer in my spiritual life, right? And again, these words that I shared with you at the start from what St. Cyril says, smallness of faith is the worst sickness and surpasses all evil. That's the sentiment of all of the fathers when they speak about faith and how doubts cripple our faith. Right? We read this passage today When Christ appears to the disciples While Thomas was absent And Thomas says Well unless I, I see the, the prints of the nails And I put my hand on his side I, I won't believe And then Christ appears to him Whenever he's present a second time He says here I am Right If you want to see If you want to put your hand on the prints of the nails Feel free Right And he convicts him. He convicts him in such a way that we're left with this obscure ending. We don't even know what Thomas did. All we know is what he said. My Lord and my God. But did he really put his finger on the prints of the nails? Maybe. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? All we know is that Christ convicted him. In a sense... He even embarrassed him in front of all of the disciples. Like, why don't you believe? Right? And so, I want to talk to you about how faith develops in our life. Right? And, and, I, and I think this is probably the struggle of our whole life, growing in faith, growing in our dependence on God, growing in our relationship with Him. Right, so... Three points First is the rejection of those doubts Which I alluded to in the beginning of the sermon Second Is the inspiration of the saints And third is the endurance of faith Okay, So the rejection of doubts The inspiration of the saints And the endurance of faith First is the rejection of doubts We first have to identify doubts For what they are Right? When you have a weakness You don't coddle it Right now, it's not the end of the world It's not like you're a criminal because you have doubts It's not like God wants to throw you in the fire because you have doubts But we have to be honest We have to be real We have to identify doubt for what they truly are And they are oppositions to faith Right? You think about what's really limiting you in committing to God What's limiting me in, in diving all in? It's those areas that I'm doubting, right? And, and I first have to identify those doubts as obstructions in my spiritual path. They're impediments to my progression in the spiritual path. Right? And so I identify them in truth, in reality, and then I can fight against them, right? Henry Nolan says, do not dishonor God by unbelief. But come today and confidently claim full salvation Trust in Him to keep you This is what God looks for from us He so highly prizes our confidence in Him It's so essentially the highest honor That the creature can render to the Creator That He'll do anything to train us In the exercise of this trust in Him You think of all of the struggles in your life they almost always end with an increase in faith. Why do you struggle? Why do you go through the fire? Why are there trials, tribulations, and real pain and miserable times in your life? I mean, think about the entire experience of Job. What was the finale? He repents and and truly believes in God. I mean, and it's not like Job had no faith. Job had so much faith... That God Himself testified of Job as a righteous man, blameless in all his ways. But guess what? His faith wasn't perfect. And I think we can all learn from Job knowing that our faith is not perfect as well. Right? But the finale was, now I know that you're God, and I am the creature. You are the creator, and I'm in your hands. I trust you. Right? The conclusion of every struggle... Should be an increase of faith And that's why God allows us to struggle So that we can confide in Him So we can trust Him And and when we confide in Him When we trust Him What happens is that We ourselves live with more peace We live with more joy right? It's like every parent and their child Just trust me Because it's for your own good Trust me so that I can help you So that I can teach you So that I can guide you Right? And so, God is telling us, just trust me. Just trust me. Then we doubt, we doubt, and God says, okay, you're going to make your life miserable. And then we go through the fire, and then finally, whenever we come to the other side, we're like, oh yeah, this is why I should trust you. Right? So we keep that in mind. We have to identify doubts for what they are. That they are like cancers. We don't coddle our doubts. Right? Uh, I'm not saying to go to the other extreme and to say... I'm evil, I'm terrible because I have doubts right? Don't go to that extreme either But the balance is to identify them as weaknesses That have no place in the heart of a faithful Christian right? the, the, the standard is to follow in the footsteps of men like Abraham Who had no doubts right? That's what we w- want to follow right? We want to follow the footsteps of the saints Who had this, this perfect faith Right? And it starts by identifying our doubts for what they are and fighting against them with, with the faith of Christ. Okay, So, the second point is the inspiration of the saints. And this is what helps us to fight against those doubts in our life. Now, we cultivate faith primarily by two ways. Prayer and experience. Right? At the very core... We cultivate faith by prayer and experience. I'm not going to talk about that, because I feel like we've given that a lot of attention. But there's a supplementary part, like the things on the side that can still help us to cultivate our faith. And one of those things is the inspiration of the saints, right? When we were young, our Sunday school teachers, our parents, our aunts and uncles always prioritize this. They would tell us stories about the saints. They would sit with us with like a saint's book and they would read to us about the stories of the saints and I, I remember those days vividly. Whenever I, I would learn about Saint George right, and his courage, I'd learn about Saint Anthony fighting against the demons and I was like, oh I want to be like him, right? And I would learn about Saint Rebecca who was so courageous and faithful that she was willing to, to, to have her own children slaughtered on her lap instead of denying Christ. Saint Damiana, who went to her father and said, I would rather to not even know you as my father than to hear that you've rejected Christ. All of these stories would convict me and inspire me, right? And so we get a little bit older and we think because no one's going to read to us these saint stories that they're out of our reach, <laughs> But we have more access to these saint stories The more that we grow The more that we learn And hopefully we're, we're all literate And we can read So let's use these resources That God has put in our life right? Give yourself time To meditate on the lives of the saints To read their stories To reflect on their faithfulness To reflect on their love And, and we have so many beautiful saints Someone like Saint Pope Krolus. You, you couldn't fit all the amazing saints in his life in a thousand books. And with every story, there's a new lesson to learn. You see how he interacted with some people. You see how he prayed. You see his wisdom. You see how certain times he was tough and certain times he was gentle. And all of these stories teach us. And I think we're depriving ourselves from the benefit of these stories because we're not giving them time and attention. Right? And and again, this is supplementary to the scriptures. What I'm telling you assumes you're reading the scriptures, and then the supplementary component is the stories from the saints. Right? But again, we have to prioritize this. Book says, Persist in and honor reading, if possible, more than prayer. Reading is the spring of intelligent prayer. It's the source of prayer. It's what inspires our prayers. Right? What happens to you whenever you read about a holy saint? Like someone who really devoted their life to God. Someone who devoted time and effort and energy into prayer. Whenever you read about the story of Saint Peshoy, who tied his hair with a rope to the ceiling. I don't know about you, but I read that story and I'm like, I just want to go pray in my igbeya for at least five minutes. <laughs> Right, maybe not all night and I don't have much hair, but if I did, like I wouldn't really go that to that extent. But I'm inspired to at least pray a little bit more. Right? When we read about the spiritual life, we want to taste it. Right? It plants that seed of, of curiosity. Right? And that's what all of these stories do for us. And so again, persist in and honor reading if possible more than prayer right it's not that they're both mutually exclusive it's that reading produces prayer and prayer reinforces our reading right the goal is prayer right but this is somewhat of a crutch for us to use right and so let's use that let's use that to cultivate our faith and the third point is the endurance of faith. It's the endurance of faith. And especially when it comes to prayer. right? Our faith is almost always tested in our prayer life. Like, If you're going to identify one place that your faith is tested, it's going to be your prayer life. And in a sense, that's what reflects the condition of our soul. The fathers all say, prayer is our mirror. Prayer is a mirror It tells you the condition of your soul If you're devoted If you're committed If you're struggling And really investing in prayer You'll see that as you're praying The nature of your prayer will reveal to you Your, your devotion to God The nature of your prayer will reveal to you Your willingness to struggle in your prayers your willingness to fight, your willingness to purify yourself, your willingness to hear God's voice. And so, that's why prayer functions as a mirror. If you want to really know where you stand, look at your prayer life. These aren't my words. All of the fathers tell tell us this exact same principle. If I want to know where I stand, the condition of my soul, I have to look at my prayer life. Right? And... The nature of my prayers, not just that they're always fervent and I'm like on cloud nine and I'm praying Tazbahah and it feels joyful. But even in the dryness, even whenever it feels boring, it feels mundane, all those experiences actually reveal the deeper intentions of my heart. Right? And so that's why prayer serves as a mirror It shows me my deeper intentions It shows me what's hidden beneath the surface And, and it exposes that to me Right, And unless I, I actually look at my prayer life I, I don't see that mirror Unless I'm willing to persevere in prayer Persevere in really struggling right? Then my faith will never grow Right? Father Jacques Philippe says, It's important to fix a minimum length of time for prayer and not to shorten it. Except in really exceptional circumstances. It would be a mistake to base the decision to continue in prayer on the pleasure we find during prayer. So that when it begins to get a bit boring, we stop. That would be a mistake. As soon as it gets boring, we stop. For prayer to bear fruit, we must keep faithfully to a minimum length and not give in to the temptation to shorten it. This is all the more important because experience shows, and this is where he alludes to what we read about last night in the Gospel of uh, St. Luke, whenever Christ tells Peter to go out into the water and let down his net. So the experience shows that it's often in the last five minutes that our Lord visits us and blesses us after we spent all the rest of the time working without catching anything, like St. Peter while he was fishing. So often it's not until the very last minute that Christ visits us and and shows us where to find fish. Right? What what if Peter just stopped caring after that long day of fishing? He would have never experienced the, the, the final fruit. A lot of times we deprive ourselves of the fruit because we, we abandon our prayers when they get boring, when they get dry, when they get a little mundane. Right? And like I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because we've focused so much on the content and the heart. And yes, that's true, right? But I don't know where we got this idea that quality is mutually exclusive with quantity. I don't know where that came from. We always say, it's all about the quality. We have to really put our heart in our prayer. We have to really invest in praying from the bottom of our heart and so on. Yes, absolutely. One word from the right hand thief earned him, or I should rather say, graced him with the kingdom of heaven. One word. Right? So it goes to, to tell you a lot about the quality of our prayers. But I'll give you an example from my own life. Let's say I want to make a dinner for Marina. She's not here, so I can talk about her like as much as I want. And I say, "Look, this is going to be like the best quality dinner ever. Like filet mignon, lobster, hors d'oeuvres, like a five-course meal." Okay, and I set the table, and yeah, everybody's mouth is watering. It's okay; we can talk about this because it's Holy Fifty. And then I set the table, I sit down with her, and then, in like 5-10 minutes, we eat, and I just say, I-, I gotta go, I have an appointment. Not even 10 minutes are over, and, and, and I, but hey, that was a solid 10 minutes, right? Now, put yourself in Marina's shoes, <laughs> right? How would she feel? I can't just walk out and saying, yeah, but look at the quality. <laughs> Quantity reflects quality. Because I care, because I want to give you my heart, I will spend more time with you. And our relationship with God isn't about just like meeting some chores, like finishing a checklist. It's a relationship. It's a marriage. Like you go out on a date with a friend or your spouse. You go out on a date with Christ. I sit with him at the table. He says, if anyone hears my word, I and my Father will enter and dine with him. See, there's this imagery of dining with Christ, eating with him, spending time with him, having this pleasant meal with him. Okay? And so let's enjoy that and actually give it time to enjoy it. Right? Now, again, my disclaimer is that Quality matters, right? You can spend three hours at a dinner with someone and you're distracted on your phone and you can't just walk away and say, okay, well, we spent a lot of time together, so there's a lot of qual- quantity, right? We need to prioritize both. And and the, the more we grow in our faith, we, we invest in the quantity and the quality regardless of the... The satisfaction we feel, right? Whenever it's dry, we continue. We give God our whole heart. We give God our whole time, right? When I'm tired, when I feel like there's nothing benefiting me, I continue to persist in this. So I'll just leave you with a story that, you know, it was kind of like the theme of whatever was on my mind as we were in the process of uh, purchasing the church. The story whenever Father Matthew the poor was w- working to build the monastery. And so they would have laborers that come and, and the laborers would uh, you know work all day long and then after like a few days they would give them a paycheck to keep them going. Right? And so this time the monastery was very poor. They're basically getting by just day by day. Right? And so after a few days you know money was really scarce they haven't paid the laborers or the workers for quite some time and the monks are telling him Abuna we're like a week behind on paying the laborers they're they're not gonna come they're they're not gonna continue working we need to pay them we don't know what to do maybe we can go out somewhere and, and like find some work in the villages or whatever but we need to find a solution he tells them just pray like, yeah, but at the end of this week, like, they're not going to come back. He says, no, just pray, just pray, God will provide. And so the next day, same thing happens. And they come back, Buna, they're going to leave, we don't have any money, just pray, just pray, just pray. And then finally, the last day was a Friday before you know, the, the week's over, and they're basically not going to come back if they don't get the money that day. He tells them the same exact message, and they're all just like furious. So they walk out. They're frustrated. Meanwhile, um, this is from like the middle of the day. He goes into his room. He says, you know, God will take care of it. And so in the evening, you know, the monastery locks their doors so that nobody can come in. Now, that, that's not the case. But this is how it used to be. And so whenever uh, they, they lock the doors, you can't come in regardless of your circumstances. You, like the monastery is closed. Right? And, and they're now closing the doors They're sending out the laborers So that they can go home And they're basically going to shut down the whole project Because they didn't get paid Meanwhile this little boy comes in And knocks on the door And he says I need to see Abuna And then the monks are like Child sorry We're, we're closed Abuna is already in his cell He's not coming out He's like No I really need to see him like, sure, you and everybody else, get in line. It doesn't matter. We're closed. And so the boy says, I am not leaving. I will camp out here all night until I see Metta." Nimetta. At least tell us why. Why do you need to see him? It's between me and Abuna Metta. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they go and tell Abuna Metta. As soon as they're about to knock on his door, and he's like, did the little child arrive yet? <laughs> they're like, yeah, who's the child? He's like, oh, well, I, I, I was told to expect him. <laughs> so he says, "Let let the child in." He, he, the child goes in. She's a bonamata. He gives him an envelope. A bonamata doesn't even open the envelope; gives it right back to the other monks, and he says, "Give this to the workers." So they they open it to give to the workers. They you that has three hundred guinea. exactly what the laborers needed for that week. And of course, like we, we hear about these stories About how God provides for us And we say, yeah, but like, those are the miracles That happen like, in the monasteries Or the miracles that happen in the saints' stories But like, these are miracles that are happening in our lives Every day, so long as we, we truly invest in prayer As we truly rely on God right? and, and if we need the Thomas treatment God will appear to us and say here, here are the prints of the nails in my wrist and in my side if, if you need to see I'll, I'll give you what you need to see right? but blessed are those who believe without seeing because that's what faith is all about right? it's, it's, not, it's not like I say I have faith that the deacons are here today I already see that I don't need to have faith in it I can say I have faith that they'll come next week right? That's faith, because I haven't seen that yet right? And so for us to have real faith, faith Remember that it's not dependent on our sight As a matter of fact It's dependent on our blindness Our blindness is what produces faith Because faith cannot possibly exist in the place that you see Right? Then that's just what's obviously apparent to us so, so again, let's be honest About this walk of faith L- Let's renounce all of the doubts in our life Let's look at the stories of the saints Let's, let's read about them Let's invest in, in their lives And reflecting their lives And finally Let's commit to this walk of perseverance Right To the very last step Because Christ said He who endures till the end will be saved. And that's what faith is about. It's about struggling. It's about fishing until the end of the night when you've caught nothing. And then Christ will come and say, just go down this way, even though it doesn't make sense, let your net over here, and you'll catch fish, right? And that, and that, that fish, that's why we know whenever this event happens symbolizes all of humanity it's why Christ tells Peter from now on you will be a fisher of men and it's our faith that will shine on others and and open the door for them to find Christ and experience Him and to God is due all glory forever Amen